This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Uh, our guests today are Nikolai Sigelko and uh, Christian Turwish. Nikolai is a professor in the Wharton School Management Department, and Christian is in the Operations and Information Management Department. Both of them are co-directors of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management. And we are going to be speaking with them today about their new book called Connected Strategy, Building Continuous Customer Relationships for Competitive Advantage. Uh, Nikolai and Christian, thank you so much for joining us today on Knowledge at Wharton. Oh, thank you for having us. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mukha. Thanks. So to begin with, you start your book with a really interesting story. It's about Disney and its magic band service. And Nikolai, I wonder if I could start with you. Uh, Can you share that story with our audience? And what does it reveal about the way in which companies have changed the way they deal deal with customers? Yeah. So usually, right, the connection you had with Disney was a ticket. And you would hand over the ticket and you would enter the park. And that was sort of the transaction that you had. Nowadays, with the Magic Band, what the Magic Band, of course, allows you to do as a customer is to have very easy, very frictionless transactions, right? It opens up your hotel room. It opens up the fast lane. Uh, you can easily purchase things with it. Um, of course, that sometimes makes also the bill rather magical at the end of its trip because you didn't even notice what you all were purchasing because it was so easy to do. Uh, but so from the customer perspective, it really makes it a very nice experience. But now also from the side of Disney, What it allows Disney to do is to really know where everyone is within the park. And as a result, I can direct you, for instance, to a line of an attraction that is shorter. Mm -hmm. Or you can actually pre-program a particular itinerary. And so that actually allows Disney to what they call jumpstart operations at the moment they open up the gates to the park. So in some sense, this is sort of where we call it kind of the magic of the magic band or the magic of the connected strategy is it makes customer happier while at the same time actually drives efficiency for the company. Uh, Question, what does this signify for the way in which uh, companies relate to their customers? How how does this story give us insights into how that is changing? Really, every company has to answer two questions, right? A what and a how. The what is like, how do I delight the customer? How do I provide a magical customer experience? And that is the element that Nikolai just touched on when he talked about like opening your room wherever you are, ordering meals, having a memory book automatically created. All of that is very exciting. That drives up the willingness to pay. At the same time, the other part of the magic here is the how question, right? Usually when we as companies, I'm an operations professor, when I hear all the marketing people talk about those customer experiences and the wow, I'm just going like, who's going to do the work and who's going to pay for that? And the part of the magic here is also with the connected band or with connected strategies in general is that we are changing the way that we work. We can, as Nikolai said, we jumpstart operations. We can basically do a better job at scheduling people. We can automate some of the things. And that allows us to provide these better customer experiences at lower fulfillment cost potentially. Mm-hmm. And that is ultimately what shifts that frontier, that trade-off that you always have between the, the customer delight and the fulfillment cost. It shifts that frontier. <coughs> out, and that's where you gain competitive advantage from. So let, let's sort of go, go a little bit deeper into what does this mean? What, what, what does this tell us about what a connected strategy actually is? Mm-hmm. And, and, and why should companies be thinking about it? So connected strategies really have two elements to them. Sort of on the one hand, there is what we call the connected customer relationship. And that is really 
rather than just sort of waiting for a customer to come to us with a particular need and then we may have something that you want or maybe not, uh, sort of a connection we call, you know, buy what we have, and that is quite often how firms still interact with their customers, uh, to really get a much deeper relationship with customers that allows us to anticipate potentially needs and to have a much more continuous relationship rather than sort of episodic interactions. So that's one part of a connected strategy. The second part of the connected strategy relates sort of a bit what Christian was just talking about of how do we actually create these connected customer relationships at a very low cost or with high efficiency. And that's the second part what we would call the connected delivery model. And there are sort of you know, various pieces to each of these. But these are kind of the two key elements. And really the connected delivery model is a lot about of how do we connect various players in our ecosystem to make really this relationship happen. Right. So we'll come back in a bit to some of those elements. But I would assume, Christian, that uh, based on what Nicolai was saying, that uh, you need a fair amount of underpinning of technology in order to make these connections happen. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what are the, some of the technologies that are involved in, in the development of these connected strategies. So I don't want to downplay the role of technologies here. So clearly a lot of these things have only become possible with the arrival of connected technologies. Uh, if you think back of the Disney Magic Band, it started as a wearable device that people would have on their wrist. Uh, from then, many of the modern parks are basically getting the same user experience, but by just leveraging your smartphone, really, if you think about it, every one of us here has a magic band in their pocket. Mm -hmm. And that has, in many ways, democratized the connected technologies. Right? It used to be something that only like wealthy, well-endowed firms could play with. Now, every startup can start providing these magical customer experiences. So the technology, in many ways, without putting the, the importance here and kind of painting a picture that technology is not important, but I think the, the big questions that we see companies are wrestling with is the imagination of new business models, right? It's like, what user experiences do you provide? How do you use the technology to drive down the fulfillment costs? That is less of a te technological problem, but ultimately a business model problem. Exactly. So before we come to the business model, I was wondering, it, I think it might be helpful to look at, in addition to Disney, one or two other examples of companies, say, in retail or publishing that, uh, that sure. may have used connected sure. strategies. Yeah. Would you like to talk um, about I'll one? I'll take one and then Christian can, can take <laughs> another one. Okay. Uh, and, uh, well, let me actually uh, go to running shoes because I think this is sort of a wonderful example, right? Sort of, uh, it used to be that uh, the only connection I have with Nike is every one and a half years when I would buy a pair of new shoes. And, of course, then my connection was not with Nike, right? It was with Foot Locker or wherever I would purchase these shoes, right? And nowadays, uh, I don't buy shoes anymore, right? I buy a shoe with a chip embedded, that chip talks to my cell phone, that cell phone connects me to my virtual running club, right? And all of a sudden, Nike actually has a daily interaction with me. They know when I use the product, how I use the product. And now what Nike can do is actually try to fulfill a deeper need that I have. Actually, my need is not to run. My actual need is I want to finish my first marathon. Right? And now we have a very different value proposition as Nike, right? Of, oh, no, I want to help you with that goal in your life rather than just, you know, that you run. At the same time, of course, Nike cannot provide all the services that I need, but they can maybe connect me to some of these services, right? So they don't have to backward integrate into becoming running coaches or, um, you know, connecting me to their employees, uh, but they can connect me to some other people who love to run or some, some coaches if I need some professional advice, right? And so it's, it's both kind of having, right, this deeper relationship. Now I know more about you. Now on the one hand, I can create a much deeper relationship and help you achieve some deeper goals. And at the same time, I'm connecting you to some other parties that you were not connected previously, uh, and that again allows me kind of to create this 
customer experience at a relatively high efficiency. Really yeah, one of the first use cases I got interested in was the world of connected healthcare. So mm. I have a secondary position <coughs> at the School of Medicine. I've done a fair bit of war research with my friends Kevin Volp and David Ashover in the Perlman School. And so uh, if you think about healthcare, it has been really very episodic in the past, right? You get sick, you get in the hospital, and while you're in the four walls of the hospital, the hospital does everything for you, is taking care for you really well, spends tons and tons of resources. And the moment that you get discharged, they say goodbye and you're on your own, right? And then you're struggling with things such as living a healthy lifestyle, medication adherence, other health choices. And if you think about either post-discharge or in the preventive space, most of the health decisions that will impact our lives are happening outside the walls of the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And so the value proposition of connected healthcare is, as Nikolai described it, going from provide me a running shoe towards making me a better athlete, is keep me healthy as opposed to just letting me see a doctor. And so that is the healthcare space is another one where we've done a bit of research, we describe it in the book, and we see enormous potential for this. So how would, uh, you know, if you look now at the business models that are being built around uh, connected strategies, uh, could you talk a little bit about the business models and how it helps companies to create a sustainable competitive advantage? Oh, those are two difficult questions. <laughs> so um, let's start maybe actually with the, with the last one, of the because I'm, I'm the strategy guy, so I have yeah. to answer the question around sustainable competitive advantage, right? Because um, it links back to what Christian was just saying. Kind of the good news about connected strategies is quite often the technologies that you need to create them are available. You don't have to develop them, right? Others have already developed them. Google has developed Google Maps. Someone has developed 5G, right? And so I as a firm don't necessarily have to become a technology company. So that's the good news. The bad news is all my competitors have also access to the same technology, right? And so I think what we are seeing is a lot of these ideas about deeper relationships, personalization, they'll become table stakes, right? Everyone will do this. And so that's why in some sense we feel this is actually a really important phenomenon because if you don't do it, you certainly will have a disadvantage. Now, the bad news is even if you do it, you may not have an advantage because everyone else is also doing it, right? And so uh, to us, actually kind of the source of sustainable competitive advantage through connected strategies is really coming from what we would call the repeat loop, that you're doing it again and again and again. And if you really use the fact that I have now more interactions with you, that I'm learning more about you and I learn more about people like you, so I'm learning at both at the individual level and at the population level, that kind of insight that I can gather, that's probably more difficult to copy than it is kind of a particular technology that I put in place, right? So that's kind of on the on the uh, sustainable competitive advantage front, because that's I think really important. I mean, again, since we are you know in the in the world of IPOs of Uber and Lyft, right? The question is not why is Uber better than a cab company, right? So Uber is a nice example of a firm that has created right a product that customers like more, and they can create that product at lower cost, right? So that really disrupted that industry. But that's not the critical question, right? The critical question is why is Uber better than Lyft, right? And that's a much harder question, right? So, you know, firms can push out the frontier, but if then other firms can find that same spot on that new frontier, you still don't have an advantage. Yeah, that leaves the question of the business model in 
particular, the revenue model somewhat kind of unanswered, and let me try to tackle that. So in the old days, when you wanted a product or a service, you would just pay a transaction price. Right? You would want to have a toothbrush, you want to see a dentist, well, there's a price for that, and you would pay that price, and you receive that service or that product. If you think about connected devices, if you think about a toothbrush, for example, that would be able to analyze your teeth, do some diagnostic, uh, provide you feedback with your brushing behavior, heck, even alert your dentist when it sees a cavity, you can basically provide different forms of revenue model, right? So suddenly the toothbrush could not be sold for just a price. I could say like the toothbrush is basically available for free to cons the consumer. The consumer pays 10 cents per minute of brushing. I could say that the toothbrush is becoming available for free to the consumer. It is paid by the dental insurance. It is paid by the dentist. Mm -hmm. I could make it pay for performance, which is a big buzzword in terms of revenue models. I could basically say like, well, the toothbrush is basically getting a, a fee per week or per month that my tooth, my teeth are healthy. And so it's basically aligning the incentives in the value chain, which previously was not possible because we just did not have the information yeah. about the performance, the usefulness, and the value that the customer derives out of a product or as a service. That, that's that's uh, that, that's a very interesting way of thinking about it. So thank you for walking me through that. Uh, you say one of the things I found very interesting, what you say in your book, is that connected strategies need to be carefully designed. Uh, and, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the connected strategy framework yeah. and, and, and how that works. Sure. So when we think about these different connected customer experiences, we kind of sketch out kind of four different ways of how we see firms are connecting with customers. And uh, you know, before going there, it's maybe helpful to really think about when you interact with a customer, there's a whole customer journey that customer has with you. It's not just the product or service that they like, but there are lots of other steps involved, right? A customer needs to become aware of their needs, then a customer needs to say, okay, how can I actually fulfill these needs? What are the options that are out there? What's the best option for me? Right, so if you think about, you know, I need to save for retirement, right? Okay, what are all the options out there that I could, right? And what's the best option for me? So that's not an easy problem, right? Then I have to go about, uh, ordering this product, I have to pay for it, I have to receive it, then finally I can experience it, and then it's sort of some after-sales service, maybe, support, right? So there's a whole customer journey. So one particular, what we call it, connected customer experience is what we call respond to desire. So here a customer knows precisely what he or she wants, and they want to sort of press that order button and have kind of the rest of this customer journey to be as frictionless as possible. Then we have curated offering, which works a little bit early in the customer journey. Here I'm really trying to help you to understand what are actually all the options that are out there and what might be the best option for you. Then there is the coach behavior connected customer experience where we say, okay, once in a while you are aware of your needs, but maybe once in a while kind of a tap on the shoulder kind of is helpful, right? Hey, have you really taken your medicine today or have you really walked or have you, you know, done your exercise? Um, and then sometimes actually I as a firm may understand your need before you realize that you had the need. And if you've given me permission, I will just solve that problem for you, right? So that's kind of the idea about your printer is running out of toner and your printer just reorders the toner, right? And so all of a sudden I never had to do this, right? Because my printer knew it was running out of toner so it could do that. So we have these different kinds of customer experiences that we can create. So the important design point, kind of coming back to the design question is really that we do not think there's one size fits all. We certainly do not think that automated execution is always the best way of dealing with a particular situation. Customers will differ a lot in their preferences of how much they want to do things versus have the firm do for them. Right? Some customers say, well, give me some choices and I'll choose. That's exactly what I need. Others say, please just do it for me. 
even the same customer in different situations will have different preferences, right? And I think, like everything else, you know, we need to understand, do you like black? Do you like red? And here we need to understand, right, what kind of connected customer experience are you comfortable with? What kind of customer experience would you really value, right? And that's, I think, where kind of the design part comes in, that firms need to have probably a whole range of different connected customer experiences available for different customers for different situations. I think that sounds right, because a behavior that some customers might welcome because it takes the burden off them, some other customers might find intrusive, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the same what Nikolai just articulated in terms of these four different connected relationships is through on the operational, on the fulfillment side. If you think about how are you going to fulfill the demand, how are you going to, what are you going to do to delight the customer, you can think about the Disney, which basically is a pretty integrated firm. You go to a theme park and they just control all of that. Uh, at the other extreme, you can think about platforms where you think about, again, we talked about Uber and the Lyft. Uh, neither Uber nor Lyft really employs drivers and owns cars, with, with very few exceptions. They basically act as market makers. And then at the very extreme of, if you think about peer-to-peer -peer networks, such as a Wikipedia or patients like me, uh, it's not even clear who's providing the service and who's benefiting the service. There's, there's just a network. And so just like you have to be intentional about what kind of relationship you offer to your customer, you have to be intentional about how are you going to do that. And again, that creates a little framework that we call the connected strategy matrix, you have to basically think about these four different customer relationships. You have to think about what we call five different connection architectures. And that gives you what is basically a four by five, like 20 different options. It sounds like intimidating, mm -hmm. but we found that a very helpful tool for you to think about like, how else could I basically kind of delight a particular market segment? Where is there a potentially disruptive threat emerging by a startup that I see elsewhere? Mm -hmm. And we find that mapping this out, mapping, describing this connected strategy matrix is a very helpful exercise. And the other thing I found really interesting about the book is you have this four-step uh, uh, four, four framework of uh, where customers can, you recognize, request, respond, and repeat. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was wondering, can we take one or two examples of how companies are using this kind of mm -hmm. a framework to... Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So that really goes back kind of a little bit to this customer journey so we can really you know, think about it in, 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 that, in that context, right? So uh, the first thing is we have to kind of recognize a customer need or we have to help the customer recognize what need it is that, that they have. Right? This is sort of the, the front end of the, of the customer journey. Then there is, okay, now I know there is a need. Now I need to figure out right, what are the right options, what's the best option, and how do I actually order that, right? So that's the request part. So I'm taking that information about the customer and translate it eventually into an action, right? A order for a particular solution, right? which requires me to first understand what is the solution that I want to order, right? Uh, and then there comes the response part. So now I as a firm get this information either from you or I have deduced that is actually the best option that you want. Well, have I actually this option on my shelf, right? Uh, am I actually able to get it to you in a timely fashion in a way, right? So that's kind of what we would call that connected customer experience, right? The recognizing, um, requesting, and responding. And then comes that last loop, that repeat loop, right? So now can I do this again and again and again? And can I, by doing this, learn more about you, learn more about customers like you, and become better over time in those three other R's, right? The recognize, request, and respond, right? And I think this is, again, sort of, if you can get onto that positive feedback loop, that's sort of where the sustainable advantage might come from. Yeah, I think uh, Nicola gave the examples of the different customer relationships earlier on. I think recognize, request, respond, repeat, that applies both to an Uber, where recognize really means that I'm waiting there till the 
the customer presses a button on an app saying, like, I want a car, towards recognized being a sensor that is implanted in your gut, realizing that you have not taken your medication, right? That recognized can be fulfilled or done in very different ways. And we find that framework very helpful to really distinguish between these four different ways that we just described in the book. And we also make we find comfort in this kind of being confident that they are not like three other user experiences that we forgot. So we break it up in the in the way that we're fairly confident that those are the four connected customer relationships that are out there. And again, they're broken up into what the role what role the firm plays in this journey around recognize, request, and respond. As uh, companies think about developing and implementing these uh, customer uh, journeys. Uh, and connected strategies, mm -hmm. what are some of the pitfalls that they should be aware of and mindful of? Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, so I think one pitfall is kind of, Christian already alluded to this a little bit, of focusing on the technology, yeah. right? Uh, because that's sort of the, the most visible aspect, right? Oh, you know, the magic band. Oh, how cool is this, right? It's something that you wear here, and then we have the pylons where you, right? And we need to put the, the, uh, the network in place. And that's clearly important, but that's to a certain extent the easy part of yeah. putting a connected strategy in place. So just sticking with that example for a moment of the, of the magic band, because we were able to talk to some of the people at Disney who actually created this uh, for them, right? And they said really the more difficult part was the organizational part of implementing this, right? Because in order to create a really sort of consistent customer experience, what has to happen, right? The customer needs to feel like, well, I'm always sort of dealing in some sense with the same organization, right? Whether I go online and book, whether I get to the hotel, whether I get to the theme park. And the problem is that up to that point, really a customer had to work through our organizational chart, right? Oh, this is that problem. Well, now you have to deal with our online division. Oh, this problem, you deal with the theme park division. Oh, this is the restaurant division, right? And, and so you as the customer had to work through this and one part of the organization didn't know about that customer and the other part of the organization, right? So you were treated every time as if you were like this different person, even though you were the same person, right? And so again, right, customer centricity, right, is sort of a, a, a key word and, and every company wants to do this and hardly any company is actually organized around that, right? Because we organize by functions uh, and there are good reasons why we are organized that way. And that, however, makes it really hard kind of, right? So for instance, to treat the customer as the same customer whenever we see it, whoever within our organization sees that customer or right, whatever store you go to or whether you're online or on the phone or whatever, right? But unless we get to that point of recognizing, hey, that's the same customer, it will become very hard to learn more and more about that customer, right? To really accumulate the learning. Um, and again, so that's why kind of these, it, it sounds so easy, kind of, right? And then we repeat and then we learn, but that's really the hard part, right? And that's, an, again, in part, it's a technology issue. Do we actually have the IT systems in place that can talk to each other and make that data exchange feasible? But quite often, it's also an organizational issue. Do I even have the incentives to send my data over there? Because maybe now he knows something that he shouldn't know or kind of, I, you know, I don't get promoted, but he does, right? And, and so it's, it's those issues that are quite often actually quite, quite difficult. Uh, yeah, I would, yeah, I would add to that that a lot of the technologies that we describe in the book, like curating offerings, learning from the repeat cycle, customization in general, they're all very 
big data type of applications. And we at Wharton, we are the school of big data, data analytics. We believe in this methodology. But I think there's also a real opportunity for small data here. If you think about mm -hmm. the pain points, about products or services, again, Nikolai's example earlier on about the running shoe, that the running shoe <coughs> purchase, it's not just about the shoe, it's about self-fulfillment. It's a very emotional thing. If you think about pain points when it comes to getting clinical care, when it comes to financial savings for retirement. Those are very personal things. And these pain points, other than the products or services themselves, this whole customer journey is something that management has to go out and study. And you find these insights really best by interviewing people, by going out there yourself, even as an executive level, and leveraging what I call small data contextual immersion, we, we teach this in our innovation and design courses, right? Really being willing to do the qualitative user research as opposed to just relying on click streams and, and, and big data. So yeah, so just going to piggyback again on that, that comment, right? Sort of the first pitfall is it's all about the technology. I think the second pitfall, is it's all about the data, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so kind of again, where I think a lot of firms currently are stuck in is this notion, okay, it's data that's important and it's relatively easy to gather data. So everyone is gathering a lot of data. Now I have every click you've ever done on my website, but I have no idea what to do with it, yes. right? Uh, and this is exactly what Christian was saying. I think quite often probably the better way to do it is to first ask what are the pain points we want to resolve, and then what kind of data do I need to resolve these pain points? I think too often right now it's like, let's just collect everything, and then we kind of try to figure out what to do with it. Uh, just last, last couple of questions. Uh, as connectivity continues to increase, uh, how do you see the future of connected strategy? Where, where do you think things are going to go in the future? He looks at me, and so here's, the innovation guy. here's, here's the a man, innovation, guy. Uh, innovation professor, studied computer science in the 1980s, and I, I tell you one anecdote from that. I had a class <laughs> on computer networks, it was called back then, a, a famous textbook by a guy called Professor Tannenbaum, and uh, that was the only subject I got a D in. And <laughs> I, was, I remember sitting there and saying, like, why would it make sense to connect two computers to each other? And so clearly I bitterly fail as becoming a technology visionary. And I think the, the evidence on very smart people from the stories of IBM and Microsoft, uh, they are full of bad predictions. Technology for 10, 15 years is very hard to predict. The one prediction that I'm comfortable making is we're going to be more connected and not less connected. I think that one is a fairly safe prediction and thereby it's the only prediction I'm willing to make. Right. What, what, what does it imply? For yeah, no, I, I think, right. And well, I, I think what, uh, again, so the, the general thrust that we see is, I think, towards personalization, right? I mean, I think that is kind of a general thrust. And, and we can do that now in a more cost-effective way because I can learn about you more cost-effectively. I'm able to respond to this in a more cost-effective way. And so that, I think, is kind of a general trend we're going to see, right? Now, the underlying technologies will evolve, right? How, how to actually do that? But I think that is something that, again, kind of the generation that's growing up right now, they're getting used to that, right? Uh, and so, again, it's sort of this notion of, you know, Amazon knows everything about me or it makes it really easy for me to order and I now I go to my doctor and I have to fill out again all of these forms, right? I mean, wh why is that, right? Uh, uh, and so, so I think that expectation will rise, uh, similar probably in our business here in education, that the expectation of students will rise about, 
you know, how customized is my learning journey, um, right? Uh, and I, I think that those things kind of will inevitably happen, you know, partly in, enabled through the connectivity, uh, enabled by data analytics, enabled by, by data, but hopefully then also supported by a deeper understanding kind of of how to use that data. I think the other prediction that we make in the book is, is one that it sounds so much, Nikolai was describing these four connected customer relationships, it sounds so much that everything could be automated or everything could be moved away from one firm into market makers, ultimately into peer-to-peer -peer networks. That is not our prediction. That is not our prediction. Oftentimes, if you ask yourself as a consumer what do you want, as long as a firm is reasonably responsive to your needs and desires, you're totally fine making the purchasing decision yourself. And so we don't see everything drifting towards this cloud uh, network creators and on the other, on, on the user experience on the connected customer relationship sites. Not everything will be automated uh, for the consumer. So I have one final question for both, for each of you actually, and that is, uh, Let's imagine that I'm not here in this seat. That in my place, there is a CEO of a company who has just finished reading your book and is convinced that connected strategy is the way that he or she wants to take the company and wants to you, each of you to answer the question, where do I begin? Where do I start uh, getting things done? So maybe Good. you can give some well, advice. So the, absolutely. So the first step you've already taken, you've gotten our book. So that is, that is already good. Now, actually, what was quite a pleasure for us to do in writing this book, that we were teaching it while we were writing it. Mm -hmm. And really, our objective of writing this book was to make it actually as applicable as possible. And so I think what sets our book a little bit apart is that we have these three chapters in that, which we call workshop chapters, where we really, in some sense, take right, the CEO or take a manager by the hand and say, okay, first think about these questions, then think about these questions, fill out this worksheet, fill out these worksheets, right? And so kind of, again, that's what we're trying to really to do in, in the book. Um, and so I think it, it, you know, the, the first kinds of questions would be, for instance, right, just to brainstorm a little bit of what would it mean if I knew customer needs before customer know them themselves, right? What would this actually allow me to do, right? This this kind of information. But but then we kind of more systematically would say, okay, I think a very good starting point is indeed to map out a customer journey, you know, to think about the pain points, to think about willingness to pay drivers, think about what information currently flows, what information flows you need, and you know, go from go from there. But uh, so yeah. Yeah. So the those workshop chapters make it kind of more. Something gives you something concrete to do. We've broken it up. Each chapter has like four, five, six, seven steps that you can work on. You can fill out forms. If you're still struggling, it is a hot topic at the same time, very important for you. On our website, connected-strategy.com, we have basically taken these worksheets and we have case studies that we, we work with companies. We work with some very smart MBA students to basically avoid the situation that you sit in front of an empty piece of paper and don't know where to start. So what you have as a starting point other companies who have gone through that journey, and that allows you to say, like, well, my company is different, or oh, then let me change that part of the worksheet. But you don't have to start from scratch with the workshop chapters and our website, connectedstrategy.com. You should be in good shape to make the next step. Great. So, Nikolai, Christian, thank you so much for speaking with Knowledge at Wharton. Oh, thank you for having us. Always a pleasure, Mukul. Thank you so much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.